This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, January 8th, 2019. I'm Caleb Brown. Some of the biggest costs in obtaining prescription drugs, getting the actual prescription, not to mention taking time off of work and spending money on a doctor's visit. Naomi Lopez-Bauman of the Goldwater Institute argues that allowing pharmacists to broaden their prescription authorities could save money, time, and give people more control over their health. Between the DEA and the FDA... Uh, Drug Enforcement and Food and Drug Administration, they essentially control uh, whether or not you have the right to prescribe certain medications. So that that limits a lot of what states can do in terms of making it easier for people to just get what they want, get what they need. Um, But what can states do to make it uh, less onerous for people to, you know, you want a prescription, you have to go visit a physician. The physician has to agree with you that this is a prescription that you, that would help you. Uh, and then you go to the pharmacy and get it. What, what parts of that process can states just remove or make less onerous? There are a lot of areas where states can make it far easier, more consumer and patient centric to allow people better access to the care that they that they need. And one of the ways is called scope of practice where states can authorize pharmacists to actually write prescriptions which means that if you need for example birth control or antihistamines that are prescription you can go into a pharmacy talk to the pharmacist, and the pharmacist would actually write the prescription and fill it for you on the spot. My thought is about cost savings and convenience, especially for low-income people who just need to have this or that. And uh, so what does that look like uh, in terms of uh, coverages or you know what a third party is going to pay for, be it Medicare or Medicaid or an insurance plan? Sure. So for someone who is uninsured, someone who is going to pay a cash price, let's take the generic singular, which is an allergy medicine, for example. So the generic singular will have a list price of, say, $120. So if you walk into the pharmacy and you don't have insurance, you'll pay about $120 for that prescription. That is on top of the physician visit, which let's say is another $100. So you're looking at a very very expensive proposition in addition to taking time off of work and also figuring out how you're going to pay that 200 and something dollar bill. So what this would do is it would cut out, it, it would allow you to, 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 to go directly to the pharmacy and pay for that prescription. Now we're in a, we're in a time of very rapidly changing innovation in healthcare. Now, Let's talk about, for example, if Amazon were to enter the pharmacy space, we're about to go into a period where it is very possible that there might be a way to easily get a prescription online through, for example, a physician or pharmacist that is employed by an internet provider and and actually deliver it to your door. So we're looking at a very um, rapidly changing landscape for pharmacy right now. There are companies that are looking at going into the space. In addition, the prices of these drugs varies dramatically. I mentioned the the generic singular, which this very common allergy medicine. If you were to get it through GoodRx, which is an online PBM, basically, where you can look at different prices at different retailers, you can get it for 50 something dollars. 
through an insurance, through an insurance, an employer provided insurance plan, for example, it might be 16. But if you were to get it wholesale, like through direct primary care provider, for example, or mail order pharmacy, you might get it for a dollar. So the prices vary so dramatically that states really do have um, not only um, an obligation, I think, to better meet the needs of their citizens, but to actually push this forward because there's an opportunity to save an enormous amount of money for patients, particularly those who have the least access and can least afford these expensive prescription drugs, but but also to really um, to really open up this market to comp- to competition and price transparency, which does not now exist. Uh, DEA controls scheduled substances and. They, you would receive a license, essentially, from the DEA to prescribe those drugs. That's correct. But there are whole categories of drugs, and we haven't even talked about uh, ordering lab tests and that sort of thing, uh, that currently require a physician. Uh, so in terms of what is the category or what are the categories of uh, drugs that we that, that states ought to simply say, you know what, from now on, you just go to your pharmacist and it's behind the counter. You don't need a prescription. You don't need to visit a doctor. Maybe you have a, a short conversation with uh, the pharmacist and move ahead. That's right. There are a lot of drugs that are very safe. And in fact, around where the United States is really the only country that does pharmacy this way. Most countries, you can walk right up to the pharmacy and get a prescription for a whole wide range of prescription drugs. So the lowest hanging fruit, the, the, the safest kinds of treatments are things like allergy medicines, antihistamines, birth control. Um, you're looking at a lot of drugs that really are very, very safe. And in fact, are much safer than things like um, acetaminophen and aspirin, which are over the counter. Um, so, and, and and because the FDA regulates prescription drugs, you actually do technically still need a prescription. It's just that the pharmacist is authorized to write that prescription, and so you're cutting out the physician visit and the expense associated with that, which you know can be very expensive and costly in terms of time and money for a lot of people. And uh, you said acetaminophen and aspirin. Of course, acetaminophen is Tylenol. That's correct. Or what we would know as Tylenol. And Tylenol itself poses risks for people who take too much of it. It damages your liver. Aspirin is implicated in a hundred or so deaths every year. People die. These are drugs that probably would not, may not, be able to survive an FDA approval process. That's right. And there's actually some thinking and that I think makes a lot of sense that people have this idea that if a physician prescribes something that it's safe, and that's absolutely not necessarily true. I mean, there are always there are always guidelines for how one should take this medicine, but that whenever someone doesn't go through a physician, they tend to be a bit more careful about their consumption of these prescription drugs. We, I mentioned labs earlier. And uh, Jeff Singer, who's uh, my colleague at the Cato Institute, said, look, in, in uh, many states, if you want to, to go, uh, if you want to more clearly establish whether or not you are pregnant, you, you, then, you still need to go to a physician, and the physician will order a blood draw for the purposes of determining whether or not you are pregnant. That seems unconscionable. Uh, that people would be denied the ability to know something about their own medical status and be compelled to go to a physician in order to know something that is, frankly, really simple uh, and 
something that is not doesn't put you at any risk at all to order it. So that that's so labs I assume are another category. What is the argument that physicians or physicians associations would make for oh no 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 we can't let people simply know things about their medical status without uh, consulting with a physician. I'm not sure who who would oppose us in this day and age, but the reality is is that it was not that long ago when there was this paternalistic mindset that was very prevalent in the medical community that basically said that well the patient may not have the f- sophistication to understand what it is that you know the, the the tests say and 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 that they need our help and so this you know this idea that an individual cannot decide for themselves whether or not they actually do need assistance in finding out from a lab as opposed to an over the counter pregnancy test that they are in fact pregnant yeah it's it's interesting like if you took that i that notion that paternalistic notion to its extreme you would just say well everyone in america has to go get a physical every year or even or, or even deeper that, you know, um, what they used to do, uh, what a lot of physicians used to do back in the 50s, for example, and not tell a patient that they had cancer. Is, is there any state that's actually running this up the flagpole? I know you work for the Goldwater Institute. You're based in Arizona. Arizona's had a lot of uh, uh, success with things like Right to Try, uh, and that has now been incorporated in a, to a small degree in, in federal law. But what are the next steps that states ought to take to make that uh, an easier process for people to get what they need. Well, I think this is rapidly changing. And, and, and I think that regardless of what states do know, states can certainly push this along and accelerate it, and that would be a very positive thing. But the reality is is that we're living in the information age. We have access to an enormous amount of information. And in fact, there are entrants into these markets for medical information that are able to circumvent the FDA. For example, um, for my birthday, I got a genetic test that is um, that is run out of where, that is run out of a foreign country. And so, this idea that the FDA wants to limit um, genetic information from these types of tests that are provided on the market, they're legal, but but the FDA says, oh no, you can't have all the information. You can only have some of it. Well, other countries allow you to get all the information, and so people just mail off their samples to another country. And it's much easier today to get information about who sells these tests, what do they, you know, what do they entail, what information will they provide, what information do they block you from having. And and, and it's absolutely absurd that an, an individual would not be able to get full information about their own body. You and I were speaking before. Uh, we started recording and I said, well, you know, I, if I get blood work done, which by the way happens anytime you apply for life insurance, they just send somebody to your house to do blood work, you get the results. Uh, and outside of that context, if I wanted to get a uh, blood work done, I would still have to go to a doctor. Right. Um, and so th- those, those laws are slow, slowly changing where, um, where you now in some states can go and, and actually do the test, you know, basically order the, have the test ordered on your behalf in person on the spot by the lab. And so, but, but this is, this is, um, you know, I think that's something that we're going to see dramatically change in the next few years. There is no way to keep this genie out of the bottle. People want information about their own health, their own well-being. They want to be able to plan um, for, you know, what what it is that um, <laughs> whatever it is that these lab tests tell them. And and that's, you know, that, that should be, um, that should be completely up to them and not a decision made by a, a, a third party or limited in any way by the government. Naomi Lopez Bauman directs healthcare policy at the Goldwater Institute. Subscribe to this podcast anywhere better podcasts are sold. And of course, ask Alexa to play the Cato Daily Podcast. And you can follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.